0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Podcast, the tao oriented lore discussion that takes place over at the Discord Tao 40.000, 40k if you will. Um, I am your host, CalmSword, um, and uh, this is a recording of the weekly discussion uh, that happens. Um, we're going to be covering lot of uh, a lot of the lesser-known aliens that uh, make up the Tau Empire or the Tau Commonwealth, um, and it is about an hour long. So let's just dive right in. Okay, so as as we talked about last week, we've got a couple more alien alien subjects to cover, and again, concluding that the crew are going to get a whole episode. Uh, unto themselves because they're kind of a fan favorite but what we'll do for this time around just so that we can have something to talk about and then start getting into the hypotheticals and the the theory hammer um what i would love to do is if we could just if you wouldn't mind just muting yourself for the first part, I'll kind of set the stage so everybody's on the same page, and then everybody's already done that, so I'm just being redundant at this point. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, so I'm going to open my notes. So last week we we discussed the Nikasar, as well as the kind of the first contact relationship that they had with the Tau. Um, we spoke a little bit about the puk uh, and we uh, and then we, we moved on into uh, Guebessa and humanity in general. Talked a lot about the relationship, how the Tau have seemingly two two different types of relationships with other alien civilizations. There are member species, which you know you could call them citizens of the Empire uh, or the Commonwealth, as I, I, I very often refer to the Empire as, or they are client species. So these would include uh, races like the Tyrellians. Uh, or the uh League, um, which was destroyed by Highfleet Gorgon. Um, they're specifically trading partners with the Tau. Uh, the Demiurg are probably the most popular of these. They don't—they don't technically seem to have membership within the Empire. They are—they uh, are using um, Tau space as kind of a haven for them because they're. they're some, I think they're somewhat hunted by humanity as much as all aliens are hunted by humanity. But that left uh, that left a lot of aliens kind of uh, left behind. So what this Tau talk is going to be about um, is just covering some of those lesser lesser known uh, aliens. So I'll start off right now by saying we don't know anything about the Morellian Death Sworn. Um, we also don't know about the Formosians uh, other than the fact that the Formosians are said to be multi-limbed um, we uh, we just I mean they're just kind of like one-offs. Um, so I'll say right now that I'm not going to make any assumptions right now about them. Um, there's also a new race as of the last co- uh, codex called the Charpactin. Um, and the only thing we really know about them is that they are sentient fungoids I also note that games workshops going through a weird plant phase in their in their life right now because there's a lot of sentient fungus Everywhere, but they are uh, they're used by the water cast uh, to subdue and, and hypnotize uh, people specifically um, In the edification corpse which uh, which we can talk about a little bit Um so, but for these races, you know, where there's only one sentence kind of given up to them, uh, I'm, i i think that it's—it's it's okay to just say uh, they're cool, they're interesting. Um, names like the Rangon Battleborn—I mean, that's that's like really interesting sounding—or the Hrenian Light Infantry. Uh, but frankly, we're just going to take a step away from those and and focus on on the races that we do know. Uh, so to begin with, I would—I'd uh, love to talk about the Nagi. Uh, the Nagi are a race of mind worms, which which means that they are they're known most for their ability to get inside the heads of uh, other species. They are small. Um, they are uh, they're they're able to be uh, carried by by Tao and uh, and other members of uh, Tao society, where they serve as um, advisors. But they their their first contact relationship with the Tao is really interesting because Tao really uh, oh, Hello, so so we're just talking about the Nagi mind worms. They they originate from a planet called Shagalud The first contact situation with them is that they actually went to war with the Tau and the Tau uh, Regarded them as kind of uh, extremely dangerous um, and their and there and the and there was a series of uh, really violent conflicts um, Which we can we can get into a little bit because we, d- we don't we can only theorize as to what what they're about however, we do know that uh, there was some kind of, uh, some kind of, uh, treaty made. Um, there was some, there was some kind of, uh, communality gained. Uh, it is not known whether they are a member species, uh, but they seem to have climbed pretty, pretty quickly into, uh, the Tau governance. Uh, so a little bit like the Demiurge, where the Demiurge gave ion technology, um, uh, but don't. But but we don't know if they're technically as close to uh, tau cultures. Let's say the krut or the vespid, which are specifically called out as being uh, very much intertwined uh, with the caste system and sep space. So the nagi. Some things to know about them, uh, and then we'll we'll open up for a little bit of discussion uh, before we move on to the next race. Uh, the nagi are uh, have an ability called uh, uh, where where they basically um, can go. In, directly into uh, an alien's mind uh, called mind-ripping um, and this is it sounds extremely violent uh, it sounds like it is both dangerous for the Nagi who exist in in colonies when they do this uh, so theoretically hundreds uh, dozens to hundreds or maybe even thousands of of these, uh, these snake-like creatures um, all working together to try to break someone's mind uh, the only example that we have of this shows up in the uh, the Damocles anthology, where a space marine has been captured and a Nagi. Uh, collective is attempting to break him, but because he's a space marine, obviously he's got uh, mind wards and and, and his own uh, his own mental capacity to resist uh, being uh, having his his thoughts invaded. And the backlash of him resisting the Nagi is that is that they is, is that hundreds of them die, which is a really interesting way of thinking about it. Because the Nagi who is reporting um, theoretically to the Tau uh, about this uh, about what's going on is very kind of casual. Uh, about the loss of hundreds of his of his kin, um, they also state uh, that they are the nagi for for uh, the nagi, and and then there's a there's an epitaph of who none can stand against. Very very interesting, very cryptic, um, perfect like 40k mysticism, and 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 and, uh, and who, who knows what that actually means? But uh, but they they ultimately conclude that while they break the space marine, they they also kill him. Um, and they can and they conclude that they they are not able to uh, break space Marines now what that means uh breaking i mean this sounds very different from what the Nikasar do and the nicosar uh, are uh, telekinetic a- as well as empaths um, so it seems like the nagi are like a step in the m- more of a human direction where they they don't they don't try to negotiate the way into your mind or trick their way into your mind they actually just kind of use a bulldozer cool things about the nagi is that we've They they are seen uh, in containment units. It should be noted that they are uh, allergic, or or that the the regular atmosphere that most species breathe is toxic to them, so they need to have their own containment units. Uh, They do serve as advisors to ethereals, which you know one would think that's you know you have you have something that can mind rip you. (laughs) Um, You're giving it to your leadership cast again. Just another for me. That's another sign. Uh, of uh, of the the greater good actually being something that people get on board with rather than it being forced upon people. Um, and the Ethereals have this, you know, really, really high levels of naivete and hubris that they would, they just, I think that they think that they've convinced the Nagi that their way is the best way. And so now they invite them, in, you know, onto backpacks, basically. But there is also a Nagi that is seen on a Guevessa. Oh, um, now this is the only example that I've been able to find uh, find of a high-ranking uh, Guevesa, It's a human helper um, in the form of Va- uh, Vadim, um, and he is a former inquisitor that was, uh, you know, either abandoned. We don't know his backstory. Um, he shows up in two stories, I believe. One of them being uh, Broken Sword, which is my favorite short story uh, regarding the Tao. Um, but he, he, it, you know, he pilots a battlesuit. Um, He's very active in the kind of Cold War espionage uh, conflict that's happening between the Imperium and the the Commonwealth um, that reaches really, really high, really interesting moments uh, in the interim between the Damocles Gulf Crusade and the Third Sphere Expansion, it's about two hundred years, and Vadim is has one of these Nagi uh, containment units, which another Guevessa actually comments on. That is kind of worried, like, you know, what's that about, dude? And and to which the guy's response is like, What's your problem? Like, this makes all the sense in the world again adding a little bit of mystery that you know is it mind control is it is it altruism who knows the more vague i think the better in regards to 40k so that's that's the nagi and and although we don't we don't see them on the tabletop um they are making the the, i think they're making their way into more and more stories um so we can probably expect to see them uh hopefully in the the next codex and in, in more black library books So at this point, before we move on to another race, uh, I I invite everybody to unmute, or if you have uh, thoughts, uh, tell you what, actually, before we we unmute, why don't I catch up with the text? Uh, Is there some art on the Nuggy, Biotic says? uh, No, there's not. Um, uh, These uh, these conversions are by a brilliant uh, uh, 40K hobbyist, uh, named Tail. He, uh, he's actually the, the owner and originator of, uh, Advanced Tao Tactica. These models are taken from something else. I don't think the Negi get this big. Uh, the Negi have only ever been described as something, you know, something that you could wear. So for me, th- that means like a snake, you know, like maybe like a, a garden snake or something like that. No, not official. It, it, it's super cool. It's super cool. Um, we can move on. Uh, to the next race. Unlo- oh, did somebody do- unmute? Hello.
1: Yeah, sorry. Uh, I was asking. I was wondering because I saw some another art while searching for this, and apparently it's a race called the Sylph.
0: Um, that's interesting. I've never, I've never heard of the. What? There is a race called the Slith.
1: The slith, yeah, the slith. Sorry, yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the slith are uh, are a super cool race. Um, they're a mercenary species. Um, has has a, ha, actually has a miniature. They appear in um, in the dark eldar uh, employ. Um, they're they're super cool. I can actually I can actually pick up um, a image of them. It'll probably oh some you already beat me to it. Yeah, these are the slith. The slith are super cool um in that they are effectively they kind of i think that they kind of worship slanesh, slanesh or they have some kind of relationship with slanesh or they're just really interested in pleasure cults and pleasure in 40k and invariably ends with like you know needles under your fingernails because you know that makes sense
1: <laughs> yeah I like to in.
0: yeah yeah right right uh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to help myself. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Yeah, but these are the Slith. There is no evidence of the Slith actually working with any other race other than the Dark Eldar. Uh, so but there is also but there is instances where they're operating by themselves. Uh, really interesting about the Slith, just on a on an alien note, they uh they have been noted in the most recent Xenologist book as uh as commanding Dark Eldar, like like giving orders to Dark Eldar, which I find wow. Yeah, which I don't know if that's a that that was just a one-off, but that 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 implies that implies a lot. Um,
1: Yeah, it does actually. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you know what? Actually, this is this is kind of a a perfect. Oh, uh, unless a cosmonaut. Anything? uh, I just saw you unmuted. Uh, With regards
2: to the uh, Nagi, so when you say like they actually physically infiltrate your your brain or your mind with this mind ripping thing. So, what happens to the host afterwards because if they're physically going into like your mind to take control of you that there there should be some level of irreparable damage and
0: how long can they even stay there sure sure so i think that this is a this is an interesting uh hypothetical so so the so the nagi um again remember that the tao when they initially uh encounter the nagi uh, there, there are extremely vicious battles um, that are fought. Um, for me, so so I ascribe to kind of the, an old school, long in the tooth perspective of the Tau, which is that um, they do not kill each other. Uh, that the that the Tau, unlike every other race in 40k, which you know is kind of no uh, no stranger to murdering your your your, your fellows. Um, I think that the Tau do not kill one another because to do so would be the most uh, drastic step backward toward the Montauk, which is, you know, the Age of Terror. Um, So for for me, um, Tau don't kill each other. And uh, and there are, you know, there are kind of like examples here and there. If you'll note, like, uh, it's something Black Library and a lot of their stories they don't engage with with one exception, uh, Phil Kelly, um, you know, who kind of takes a a more... uh, a more personal view um, uh, as to as to how to deal with Tao lore, uh, but um, for me, I would say that the that most likely what happened is that the Nagi in their in their opening conflict with the Tau probably probably connected with Tau, took over their minds, and then. Um, you know, and then and then possibly got them to kill each other, uh, or, or or kill or kill the non-infected uh, Tau, you know, explorers or, or or envoys or whatever, and might have been viewed as like a parasite rather than an actual sentient race. Um, I think that the, the Nagi are, are kind of from a classic age of sci-fi. You have some kind of alien parasite that takes over your body and makes you do things, except given a Tau twist, which is. Instead of exterminating them, which is what most people in sci-fi universes do, um, you know, you, you you parasite me, I I exterminate you. Um, the Tao seem to have offered them a place, uh, at least some kind of uh, at least some kind of uh, 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 membership uh, within within their society. So this goes along the lines of like uh, Tau artificial intelligence, because they I do consider them a, a, like kind of a member or client race. So to answer your question, Cosmonaut, I, I would I would say that if the Nagi do physically take over people's uh minds and bodies, I most likely, um, if they're removed, it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit like alien and the face huggers. Like, I do think that you you can't be used for anything else after that. Uh, depending depending on, on the extremity of the uh of the uh of uh, it overtaking your your faculties. There
1: Actually, is one the... downside: like if anything wanders into some somebody else's brain, not okay.
0: Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> Especially considering it's mind ripping and it killed the space marine. It must be something quite drastic. You would just try to take someone over that it could kill them.
1: Like nothing too problematic. Huh?
0: <laughs> so, um, so yeah,
1: it S- seems like seems like a very bad uh, uh, bar there. like what would you have I'll have the mind please <laughs> what's that snake in the, in the in the beverage don't worry about it
0: <laughs> cool so so I think uh, if anybody has any other uh, questions or, or thoughts about the Nagi, uh, I'd actually love to move on to the Luxottle. Um everybody everybody good with Nagi? great okay so the Luxodle are are relatively new uh, as a client race to the Tau. Um, they were first uh, created by, I believe, by Dan Abnett in the Gaunt's Ghost series. And the Luxodle are are uh, they're they're quadrupeds, so they they move on all fours. They're aquatic, um, uh, and they use uh, very delicate sonar um, to find their prey. Um, they also, I mean. They're, they're, they're super predators. Like they, they, they're, they're sorry to, bother you, but, uh,
1: could you, if you find any photos as we talk about them, oh. could you just upload them. So yeah,
0: yeah, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, I will do that uh, as I speak. Sometimes there'll be some clicking and clocking. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll edit that out later. Um, so yeah, so the Luxottle, uh, they are—they're really gnarly looking. They—they uh, kind of look like salamanders, and there's even evidence that they have actually been misnamed, that they—that uh, they, they actually go by uh, by another uh, by another race's name, um, but that's that's kind of conjecture. What we know as the Luxottle, uh is what you see here—a uh, four-legged salamander-looking creature that has um, that wears its guns on its chest. Um, they can basically move over any surface, but they're the most deadly when they're in, when they're underwater. Um, and uh, and like I said, Dan Abnett kind of created these in, uh, in his Guns Ghost series. And uh, they work as mercenaries. Um, uh, in, in in that book, they work for a a chaos uh, a chaos warlord. Um, but but very recently, in some in uh, in some Tal lore, they. Uh, they're also they're also um, working as as mercenaries for the Tau, um, and this 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 kind of it enters in kind of an interesting uh, what if scenario where we, we do know that these guys are are extremely lethal. Um, we know that they they're very good at killing humans, um, and perhaps this is indicative. I, I might I'm probably looking into this too much. But if you look at a lot of the races that the tower is starting to employ they are way more vicious like like we regard the Crute, for example as these kind of noble uh tribal uh warriors that um you know yes they're cannibals but they only eat the strongest you know there's there's a kind of like a predator like uh relationship in terms of how we you know they're neat right they're cool um but they talk you know they can they they can speak gothic they can they can they can talk to they, they can you, you can you can you can talk to them and and and, and negotiate with them. Um, as we as we start looking at races like the Luxodle, the Luxodle seem to be like a step in a in a more lethal direction. Where perhaps the Tau are realizing they need to start hiring uh, more and more lethal uh, beings uh, in order to continue their their uh, their progress into the third, fourth, and fifth, well, third and fifth sphere. Um, we'll talk about the fourth sphere at some point. Um, so the Loxadel, um, uh are mercenaries. Um, we don't have any indication that they have uh, they have a homeworld. Um, uh, that uh, th- and since they they're both in the Hive Tempestus um, as well as the uh, as well as the Ultima Segmentum implies that that very much like the Nikasar or the Krut, they're actually much further afield. That they're they're they're. they're They've expanded through, kind of throughout the galaxy. Um, I'll say the same thing to the Torellians. Um, and you know what? Since since so, so little is known about the Luxottel and the Torellians, and they're both kind of lizard races, uh, I'll just I'll, I'll push them together uh, before we, 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 we start discussing them. Um, because the Torellians are very much like the Luxottel, uh except instead of being... Um, uh, quadruped, they're bipedal. Um, they appear in in lore, going back like I mean, the Trellians have kind of always been there, um, and they're uh, they're they're a Saurian race um, that are noted to have uh, extensive cybernetics. Um, uh, and here's a picture of them. Um, they uh, they hate humanity, um, whereas the Luxottel, uh seem to be kind of a pay for hire. They might have a intelligence that's beyond being able to kind of reason with it. Maybe they just like to hunt. Um, the Tyrellians specifically uh, hate humanity, and that's because their their worlds were virus bombed back during the Great Crusade when when the Emperor was uh, was first solidifying the Imperium in, in, in the galaxy. Um, and the Tyrellians um, uh, are, are are tall. Uh, they're they're pretty vicious. I think that they have strength that's comparable or, or greater than a human. Um, and, uh, they are used extensively by the Tao as well. Uh, most notably, um, at least, uh, canonically, um, by Brightsword in the book Kill Team. And, um, Brightsword's a really interesting character, um, deserves a talk unto himself. Uh, so many things do. Uh, but, uh, Brightsword was getting ready to attack Nimbosa. And Nimbosa shows up in a lot of codexes. It, it, uh, a lot of people theorized that that was going to be one of the, the war zones that we were going to get. But Nimbosa is a civilized world in which the Tau and the Imperium have kind of traded hands with it a couple of times. Uh, what's most interesting about it is, is that it is not on the western side of the Empire, uh, uh, where, the, um, where the Damocles Gulf is kind of at, at its greatest point. Uh, it's actually closer to Tashvar, and uh, Tashfar is interesting because it is a frontier sept, but it's very far from what we consider other frontier uh, worlds in the empire, um, like Dalith um, or, or Viorla to, le- uh, to a lesser extent. So um, so the Torellians get get uh, hired by Brightsword in this huge kind of mercenary uh, army because Brightsword is operating without the blessings of the greater Toll. Uh, that's the uh, firecast command, and uh, and he employs a lot of these. And there, there's a really great scene in a uh, in the 40k version of like Moss Isley, where uh, the Turellians come over and openly challenge the humans for being present. Um, and this and this tavern scene, um, or I guess this uh, cantina scene, uh, is filled with all kinds of alien races that are just starting to get mentioned. Like the Galg, for example, make their make their first appearance there. Uh, at least on paper um the terrellians are there and and the Crute actually uh intervenes and saves the humans from this this huge bar fight that 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 kind of uh explodes um and the terrellians do uh do actively uh explain you know you 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 see how much they hate humanity so so two very volatile races two uh they, they are client races um we know the Terellians do have homeworlds, unlike the Luxotl, who we don't know. We don't know where they live. Uh, at least I don't. Uh, if if you find it in your own research, let me know. Um, but uh, but the, but neither of them have found uh, colonization rights or worlds uh, or, or, or haven worlds inside of the Commonwealth. They uh, they operate as strictly as mercenaries, seemingly. Um, and both of them have a kind of uh, petance for uh, for hyperviolence. Uh, and and in the case of the Torellians very much so uh, uh, ha- hateful of humanity. So um, we'll we'll put we'll put a pause on that right now. Um, and uh, I'll just open it up. Any questions regarding these two uh, saurian races? Yes, I do again. Uh, with the
2: Luxotl. I see there in the picture you post, they've got a whole uh, gun system strapped around them. Yes. Uh, but that does, obviously it does not look anything like Tau. Do they work in, uh, in tandem with another alien race that produces this kind of technology? Or did they make it themselves?
0: Um, so it seems, so, so what that what that's called is a flechette harness. And it fires, uh, you know, these kind of like metal darts, um, which which I think can have a, I'm just hypothesizing because I can't remember it exactly, but I think can have variety as to what kind of ammunition that they shoot. Um, when they are uh, described by Gaunt, this doesn't seem to be, this doesn't seem to be like, it's, it, it, I, I would, I would assume that the Luxado have technology. And they and and this uh, this flashette harness is something that they've created. Um, but you bring up an interesting point, cosmonaut, in that um, it seems like the big distinction between member races and uh, and client races is that client races don't get access to uh, tau weaponry or tau technology, at least not on a mass level. Um, perhaps like drones, you know, or or uh, or, or some kind of. Some kind of augmentation to uh to their society to, or not their society but maybe to them individually um but it doesn't see, but it doesn't seem on a on a species-wide level that the tao invite client races to enjoy like the more advanced levels of technology that the tao use i do think the tao use that as both a carrot and kind of a stick um that that it you know is supposed to is supposed to lure you into more and more dealings with them, and then possibly, potentially, membership. Uh, But mercenaries are not given, uh, like, pulse rifles, for example. Um, Mercenaries have their own uh, gadgets and and tech that they use. Um, Yeah, yeah. Did that answer your question, Cosmonaut? By the way, is everybody liking this system? It's a a little bit more formal than last time, um, but... Yeah, I'm particularly enjoying it. It adds some nice structure.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's like your own private podcast. I like it.
0: <laughs> cool. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> if you have any, uh, if you have any uh, questions or things, uh, I don't want to get, any, I don't want to lose anybody, so you can just post it in the text, and I'll, I'll, check it after that. But, but that, I think that that puts, puts a cap on the Luxodl and the Torellians. Uh I would uh, let's, let's move on to the Brekura. Uh, or brachura. I, I don't know how to say it, but uh, uh, they're they're super cool. So something so something to know about these guys. Again, not sure if they're a client species. Not sure if they are uh, a member species. But it seems like you know when when we think about clients and we think about member races, it's good to it's good to find where they fit in. Um, so the Kroot, for example, they fit really well with the fire as do the, uh, as do, as do the Vespid. Um, but the bracura are, are, are interesting because it doesn't seem like they have any military application. Um, uh, whereas like the Nikasar, for example, uh, the, the, they'll, they'll, uh, they're, they're kind of part of the exploration, uh, part of the aircast, um, but they are able to, they are able to defend themselves. Uh, their, uh, their Dows are, which is the name of their ships, have been upgraded with Tau railgun technology. Um, the Brachyra, um are don't don't seem to have any military application. Um, they are uh, described, and there is no art uh, showing them, um, but they're described as basically like tiny crabs. Um, uh, I don't know how small tiny is, but but it seems like what their knack is in the Commonwealth is that they they build. Um, earth cast plasma generators um which is which is also interesting to note that the Tao seem to regard plasma generators as like the way that they they generate uh power um so not not fusion which i always thought it was fusion until until i read about the brekkura but um but the Breck, so 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 they're 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 tiny um they, uh, they work really close with the Earthcast, and they are regarded as uh, unparalleled in terms of their ability to manufacture miniature uh, technology. And that, that might be because they are, in fact, <laughs> literally tiny. Um, uh, they have, uh, yet they're regarded as having a, a fierce technical intelligence, uh, which the Tau uh, finds specifically useful. Um, they, they use the Brachyra um, not only, though, on a micro level, um, but also on a macro level, um, which, uh, which implies that perhaps, uh, you know, you, you have your basic, like, let's say, let's say you have your pulse rifle, um, maybe you have a, uh, several Brachyra who can go in and, and fix and improve your gun in a way that nobody else could, um, but also that the Brachyra are used in potentially city design, um, uh, and uh, and we know that that is extremely important for the tau because as they expand outward um, in the third sphere, and the third sphere is is the most aggressive uh, sphere of expansion in, in, in Tao history. Um, it's really important to note that that the third sphere, unlike the second or the first uh, or the latter fourth and fifth, uh, they are aggressively moving into, uh, systems held by the Imperium. It's very, if we were thinking about this from a historical perspective, uh, the the Damocles Gulf Crusade uh, very much uh, influenced, um, influenced the Tau, and that 200, 250 years later, the Tau kind of generate their own crusade, but they do it in their way, um, rather than just kind of like smashing through and trying to Try to knock out as many worlds as possible. Uh, they do it in in multi stages, where they're colonizing, uh, they're they're convincing people to join them diplomatically, and in very specific uh, arenas, they are actively uh, engaging in combat, um, you know, which which reaches its apex at ghrelin where an actual hive planet falls. Um, but we can talk about that later. Um, so the Brachyra would might have been might have been a race that they that was encountered uh sometime during the second uh sphere um and perhaps perhaps a little bit more of a novelty race because we never heard of them before but they get brought up uh during the third sphere and perhaps that's because they're taking a they're taking a, a larger role really front and center um as they uh, as they as they improve Earthcast technology, and Earthcast, by the way, is is one of the casts that is is probably uh, after after the Ethereals. I think the Earthcast is one of the most mercurial, and and uh, we don't know. We really should know more about what they do. The Aircast is 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 obviously interesting, and we don't have a lot of info on them. But the Earthcast does so much, and, and is regarded as the largest cast. So for them to for them to adopt the Bracura as as kind of their one of their client races, um, it really opens up for a lot of narrative. Um especially because um and I'll close with the Bracura that they're actually allowed to you you know, they use these tiny tools, which is by the way, in my mind, like a bunch of little crabs using like micro welders, it just makes me giggle. Um but they uh they they allow them to work on Tau battlesuit technology, and battlesuit technology is um, is is probably the most prohibitive uh, element of Tau uh, the, the Tau war machine. Um, it's 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 regarded as not just a a weapon. It's not it's not just something you you know you hop into. Um, it is called the uh, the mantle of heroes. And it holds a really, it holds a big, um, a big cultural uh, importance for the Tao, seemingly of all the castes, um, and and so to allow an alien race to have access to them, uh, and then even more so improve upon them, uh, gives really special insight into how the um, how how the Earth caste uh, holds these these uh, the, these aliens in in, uh, in a special uh, in a special place. Um, so yeah, I'll, uh, I'll stop, uh, here at the Breck here. And, and unfortunately we don't know, we don't know anything more than that. Um, uh, but I hope we do in the future. Uh, any, uh, anybody want to bring up the Breck here at all? Cool. So, um, so moving on, uh, we have, uh, we have a, a race called the Greet, G-R-E-E-T. Again, sorry, no artwork. Um, but this one's a quick one, they're aquatic, uh, they're an invertebrate species, so potentially they're like lobsters, um, and, uh, and while they don't, uh, while they, they're, they're, uh, it's unclear, again, if they're a member species or not, but, uh, they are, <laughs> they're known as extremely, um, uh, extremely intelligent, uh, hydroponic farmers, um, which, uh, which the Tao use, and, and, and that's what we know about them, um. There's uh, there's the galg, of course, which are these kind of multi-limbed, tentacled creatures, um, and I think it's worth worthy. it. Let me just see if uh, there's an image of them. So for years, <laughs> for years, I've been arguing with other Tao enthusiasts that the uh, the galg are not in fact toads or frogs, um, uh, and it, I don't know how that that started. But Is there a oh, sorry.
1: Is there a picture?
0: There is a picture I'm just pulling it up right now uh, that is a galg right there so
1: so so basically it's an elder horror
0: <laughs> yeah apparently they're super friendly um, and uh, they are pretty widespread um, they uh, they they've been seen in the galaxy uh, beyond uh, sept space um, and what's what's kind of cool about them is that they actually had a they actually had a, a pretty idyllic and peaceful world um and and when they encountered the tau uh that I, I guess the Tao kind of they really willingly joined the Tao um, a, a, as a, a, and like kind of got really excited about the notion of going to war and there's notes uh in the book xenologist that they kind of imply that they might also be a little bit like they're a little bit pleasure-seeking, um, and that maybe they they got bored with peace, and so uh, an opportunity to join uh, to kind of sign up with the Tau allowed them to uh, engage in kind of the hedonism of war. Um, they're they they're they're super interesting, um, but they've been but they've been around for a while. Um, again, unclear if they're a member race or if they're just mercenaries. They are one of the races that was introduced in the book Kill Team, uh, where they are described as as tentacled creatures. Um, I think the Gallagher's super cool, and, uh, my putty sculpting, t- uh, uh, abilities are not, uh, are not that advanced, so I'm super excited to be able to just make a blob and, uh, and run with it. Um, I think the Galger are really cool. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so going into the kind of the final couple of races that we know, um, uh, we have the Geatrix, uh, which are regarded as being ethereal aliens, um, and void faring. It's a, it's unfortunate that they use the word ethereal, uh, to describe them because that makes you think of the ethereals. Um, but the Geatrix might be, might be ghost-like or, or energy beings, um, which is kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, and then we have the Anthrazods, um, and the Anthrazods are, are, might actually be a member race, but, but... Or, or, don't have the faculties to become a member race. They're the the tau. Generally speaking, really hold intelligence in a, in a high place. Uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, I have hypothesized why they're voluntarily uh, vegetarian, um, because the the uh, as well as why they don't uh, the tau, which can commit exterminatus, choose not to. Um, life, especially intelligent life, holds to be you know holds. Holds a special place uh, for for the uh, for the Tau, um, but the but the Anthrazods are consistently regarded as dim-witted, um, and the Tau use them for specifically asteroid mining. Um, they are noted uh, as to work. Uh, that it is noted that they work with the Demiurg as well as the Earthcast. Uh, again, kind of unusual because the Demiurg, who are specifically not a member species, um, but they're they're allowed to kind of. At least give commands or or, or uh, have some kind of influence over the Anthrazods. Um, uh When they when they are directed by the Demiurge or the Earthcast, it it is said that the Anthrazods can build uh, city structures uh, as well as uh, support structures such as uh, 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 traversal uh, tunnels and things like that, like no one else. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, dim-witted, usually, you know, you kind of imagine maybe like an ogre-like creature um but um but they they apparently build cities like like uh and city structures like uh, like nobody else a little bit like the opposite of maybe the Brecura um so an interesting race no uh, there's no artwork about them at all uh, and i'm sorry for that um and i think that that brings us to that brings us to the end of what we know as uh, uh, what we know uh, about the aliens. There, there are a few more. I, I did mention the Formosians, um, which joined the empire about a, a thousand years ago, and the and the Thra- uh, what's they called? Thraxians. Um, yeah, the Thraxians, which are, are regarded as being multi-limbed and chitin-covered. So maybe some kind of bug race. Um, no artwork. Sorry. Um, and then finally, uh, the Phaedrons, um, which I'll which I'll kind of end on because they're they might be humans um, or they might be the descendants of original human colonists, um, but uh, the Phaedrons, uh also called the Sathla, so perhaps maybe maybe some people have heard of them under that name, um, but they are basically. Um, well, they're they're actually described as frog-like, um, and other humans uh, regard them as fish people, um, and uh, they they live on a a, a planet called Phaedra, um, which uh, which is kind of in the middle of a massive conflict between um, uh, the Tau and uh, and the Imperium, and they have allied mostly with the with the Tau. Um, but they they use poisons. They're they're re- they're really a strange species. Um, but I don't believe that the Tau regard them as like a member race. I think that this is a case of uh, the Tau allying with uh, the enemies of the Imperium uh, in order in order to have an edge on them. Um, but they're they're really strange um, f- frog fish people <laughs> um, that use poison. Um, and that's and that's kind of where we hit a uh, the, the end of uh of what we know uh about the named tau uh alien uh, allies uh or, or or aliens that work with them there's obviously uh sub there's there's subcategories uh, of each of these for example uh for humanity you have the janissaries um which are uh elite fighting forces um uh within the tau empire um but then you also have like uh, the, the Highlock Freeman, um, which, uh, which exist um, exclusively in the Velkan Sept, uh, and they are re- regarded as uh, really, really staunch allies, um, but have existed in the area for, for a very long time. And then things like uh, the Philoxian, Uh, Irregulars, which was uh, which was an Imperial Guard regiment that just uh, switched sides. So, you know, within each of these categories, you have you have subcategories, and you can really you can really create your own fluff and lore from from any of those. Uh, The Crute probably are the coolest example because the Cruit have uh, war spheres as well as colonies uh, all over the galaxy um, that avoid Tau space. Um, specifically, because they're not—they're not supposed to be operating beyond uh, the authority of the uh, of, of the of the Commonwealth. Um, but the Commonwealth kind of knows that they're doing this, so it's not—it's not that. It's—it's it's like we, we just don't. Both both sides just don't talk about it. But the crew need to go out into the galaxy. They need to find uh, new genetic material in order to improve their race. It is—it is a racial trait of theirs. But. Um, but they stay. They, st- they steer clear of the Tao if they if they aren't working directly with them. So um, so now that now that we have kind of like a full list of what of what represents the this commonwealth, um, I think that uh, for next week's conversation uh, we'll really dive into the seps, uh as well as the the caste system itself. Um, I think it's a good thing to know like. Know that the Tao first and foremost, are uh, is a nation of multiple nations, and and uh, that while they are guided by the ethereals, that means something very different from ruled by. And I know that a lot of canonical sources use that term that they are led or ruled or whatever. Um, but I think that once you once you start looking at the macro level of how the empire operates, um, it is in fact a commonwealth, and that all of these pieces. Uh, are all on a trajectory um, to accomplish very specific tasks, which are um, mandated by the ethereals. Um, so I'll open it up to general conversation now. Um, and uh, and and yeah, we can just we can we can spend a little bit of time uh, talking about you know different things. I mean, like orcs, for example, have worked for the Empire. Uh, while Tau mercenaries have been seen working with chaos pirates. So there is there is a, a very vast gray area that we can we can kind of explore together. But we'll have to save it for another time. Uh, I've really appreciated um, the guests that we've had today. It's starting to become a kind of a regular thing. Looking forward to next week. We'll start voting for what episodes should cover, uh, but next week will be... A primer on and kind of who the Tau are themselves. Like, where do they, uh, where do they start off? What are they, what's their background? Um, some of their mythologies. A little bit of speculation, as always. All right, guys. Thanks for a good talk.